You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the wonderful uh, power, God, that you have. Thank you for your desire for every one of us as your people, uh, God, to be able to stand and make a difference in the lives of others. Lord, I pray for those that do not yet know you, that may be listening today, that need you today. How I pray that you'd speak to their hearts, work a miracle in their lives, and we'll thank you for what you do, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this is a simple picture here this morning, isn't it? We have a man who is from his mother's womb was crippled. This man never was able to walk. Not a day in his life was he ever able to walk. And for the last 40 years of his life, we find out that the man's 40 years old later in the text. This man, uh, most of his life now, has been carried on a daily basis. Someone cared enough to carry him, but they would literally carry him to this gate in the temple and sit him there. And for the rest of the day, he was uh, all he could do was sit and beg for money all day long. And then at the end of the day, they would come and get him and carry him back home, and he would start the same routine over again. That doesn't sound like a very good existence, does it? And I want to preach to you today on the thought of rise up and walk. First of all, as we consider this man today, we, we see this man's problem. The Bible says there, if you'll notice with me, there in chapter 3, verse number 2, the Bible says he was lame from his mother's womb. So this man was lame from birth. See, this poor lame man is a cameo of the entire human race. Men are born lame, spiritually speaking, with no standing before God. They drag themselves through this life. They have nothing. The very best outside of Christ is a hopeless, spiritual cripple. Born that way. Even the wealthiest, most successful person you know, if they do not know Christ, folks, they are spiritually crippled. They are a spiritual beggar. But I want to say, not only does this man remind us of a person who does not know Christ as their Savior, born that way. The Bible says all men were born into sin. We were born sinners. As soon as we're old enough to make a, uh, a, a decision on our own, we're born sinners, but then we become sinners by choice. But not only that, I believe this man also reminds us today of a Christian. A Christian who is living life that is less than what God would have him to live. He's living a life not as a conqueror, but as a man, a woman, a boy or a girl that is unable to stand for God on their own and is not walking a life for the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the only way you think about that, this man was totally dependent upon others. The only way that he could get somewhere was for somebody else to carry him. And I want to say, and the only way for this man to get anything was for somebody to give it to him. May I say as a child of God, God wants you to be more than someone who is dependent all the time. 
I mean, by God's grace, man, I love to get up here and preach and teach the Word of God. I love to sit down and share the Word of God with people. I really do. But if you're saved by God's grace, you know what God wants you to do? Not be all dependent on me for your spiritual uh, vigor. He wants you to get vitality yourself by you getting into the Word of God, by you digging something out of God's Word, for you growing in your walk and stand with the Lord. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are saved by the grace of God, but unfortunately, they are lame. They are lame. I like that word lame. I understand that the word lame in this sense talks about a man who did not have the ability to walk. We don't use it that way anymore, do we? We say things like, you know, uh, Evan is lame. He can talk uh, and walk, but he's lame. Um, So I want to encourage, there, there are way too many lame Christians. There's way too many lame Christians that aren't uh, accomplishing and doing what they ought to be doing for God. That's the man's problem. So we see the man's problem. Number two, let's notice quickly, the place where he sat. The Bible says he sat at a gate called Beautiful. This is a a gate of the temple, and it literally was a beautiful, uh, ornate gate uh, outside of the temple. He was placed here by the steps leading into the, the, the Nicanor Gate where the Jews would pass through the court of the Gentiles. And there was many gates that you'd have to go through to get to this temple, but you'd go through the court of the Gentiles, where the Gentiles, uh, which is someone who was not a Jew, they were able to gather and worship in a limited way. But then they would go from through the, this gate, and they would go into the court of women, where Jewish women were able to go to that point. Then they'd go a little bit further to where the men were able to proceed. Uh, But the interesting thing is, is right where this man sat between the court of the Gentiles and the court of women, there was a wall there, some of you will be familiar with, it was called the middle wall of partition. It was a wall that divided uh, between the Jews and the Gentiles. And upon this wall, there was a message There was an announcement that warned Gentiles upon the pain of death that they should go no further. So it was a place of division. So this man sat at a place where religion divided. And you know, I want to say today, it's it's really interesting. You think about the way religion often divides people. Now I understand there's sometimes good reason for that, but what I'm, I'm thinking of is more in a personal way. I'm thinking about the way how that some religious people think that they're so good and so holy and that others are less than. This man sat at the middle wall of partition. This man sat at a dividing place. And I want to say, as I think about this, there's a couple things about this. See, this man, you think about this. Every day, this man was carried to church, as it were. Every day, this man was carried to the temple. But guess what? The temple, the religion of that day, that dead religion, did not have power to heal this man or to save this man. This the religion did not have power to really make a change in this man's life. And I want to say this, not only is religion unable to help, but religion is unwilling to help if it could. Because one of the hallmarks about dead religion is it wants to keep you dependent. It wants to keep you dependent. 
It wants to keep you dependent upon the pastor or the priest. It wants to keep you dependent upon the, uh, the traditions of your congregation. It wants to keep you dependent. And so you look at this, we see some interesting uh, things here, interesting hallmarks, if you will. One is division. The other one is dependency. And as I was studying this, if you'll just allow me to take a quick uh, a sidebar here or chase a quick rabbit, as I was studying this, I thought that I saw a familiar modus operandi uh, begin to emerge, a, a, a similar M.O., a familiar M.O., because as we look at dead religion, it wants to divide and it wants to keep you dependent. But isn't it even interesting in our day today that those who would claim to want to be free from religion, free from God, what are they still doing today? If we don't live in a time where they're trying to divide and where they're trying to keep people dependent, because that puts somebody in power and gives somebody some in, more authority. Now, why is it that even from the religious world all the way to the secular world, we see some of this M.O. emerging? I'll tell you why. Because Satan is the author of both of them. Satan is the author of both. But so here he sits at a place of division. Here he sits at a place of dependency. But, good news! We see the Lord's plan emerge. You see, on this day, something's about to change. And I'm just so glad today that God can change something around in a hurry. God can change something around that seemed like it was never going to change in a hurry. We see God's plan. And I want to tell you today that God's got a plan for your life. And if you happen to be here today and you do not know Christ as your personal Savior... I'm not asking if you believe in God or if you have been baptized or if you're a member of a church. I'm saying if you have not personally accepted uh, the gift of salvation and, and turned to Christ from your sins to accept Christ, if you don't know today that you know Him, man, let me tell you something today. God's got a plan for you today. See, on this day... There was a plan. God's work, God's providence was about to intersect in this man's life and something was about to change. And if you don't know Christ today, today's the day that he wants to make an eternal change in your life. Not a religious change, but I'm talking about a relational change. See, it's one thing to turn over a new leaf and convert and become religious. It's a whole other thing to, uh, to, to, to meet Jesus Christ and have a relationship with the creator of the universe. Anybody say amen on that? Amen, a couple of you, all right. Uh, but, I mean, listen, uh, the, the Lord's plan. But not only do we see the Lord's plan, we also see the Lord's power. Notice right here in verse number 6. I love this. Verse number 6. The Bible says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. We see the Lord's power. Here's a man that had been lame from his mother's youth, from his, from his birth. Here's a man that for 40 years, uh, I mean, listen, most of this man's life had already been lived, and all of his life he was in the same old mess. And he had no reason to believe whatsoever that his life would ever be any different. But God had a plan and God had power because He sent Peter and John that way to help bring a miracle into this man's life. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
And notice what the Bible says here in verse number 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And notice this. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. (laughs) Ain't that a great picture? I mean, here's this man, lame his entire life, laying there, but God's plan intersected with his life, and immediately, in the name of Jesus Christ, this man was brought up, and he he didn't just slowly get up. He didn't go to physical therapy. He didn't do any of that. Man, immediately, he leapt up. And the Bible says he received strength in his, his, his feet and his ankle, his legs. He said, a preacher, do, do, do you not know about muscle atrophy? You know, I mean, that's, that, that's an impossible thing, you see. Uh, a guy can't just not walk for 40 years of his life, never having walked, and then walk. Uh, uh, well, no, but, but let me tell you something. In the name of Jesus, he can in the name of Jesus, he can't, just, he can't just learn to walk. No, no. In the name of Jesus, he can leap. Amen. And he can walk. And he can run. Amen? He can, I mean, immediately. See, because the name of Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus. The Lord's power is indeed in His name. Notice what the Bible says here in verse, verses 12 and 13 of chapter 3. The Bible says, And when Peter saw it, he answered and said unto, answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though we by our, our power or holiness we have made this man to walk? Verse 13, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified His Son Jesus Christ, whom ye delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But he goes on to say, it wasn't by our power, it was by the power of Jesus Christ. See, in the Bible especially, there's more to a name than just, you know, the the parents thought this would be a cool name. No, see, the name of Jesus Christ, there's power. I don't know, do you remember ever watching, uh, I remember watching old shows, you know, and somebody would be trying to make a citizen's arrest like Barney Fife or something, or, or Gomer Pyle, Gomer Pyle, and, and, but they'd say something, somebody would say, stop, the old shows would say, stop in the name of the law. Stop in the name of the law. And some of the younger people are like, what? But, but what that simply meant was, I'm not telling you to stop by my authority but by the authority, the name of the law. See, because in Jesus' name, there is power. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, just a a chapter over, the Bible says uh, they're asking the question, the, the religious people that don't like what's going on, they ask the question. And when they had set him in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? And what I'm simply trying to emphasize is this. That this man was brought and he was healed through the name, the power, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I could give several more, but I'll just give one more concerning this. Chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. There's none other name given. You see... 
It's through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, now, I'm trying to bring this down to you today. If you're here and you're saved by the grace of God, I want to tell you that you don't have to be lame. You don't have to be a lame Christian. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, I'm telling you, He can work a miracle in your life right now today. But here's the problem. Just like this man, laying here, carried here, 40 years, if you ever told this man he was going to walk, he wouldn't believe you. See, and this is something I struggle with on a regular basis. Because I'm trying to tell people on a regular basis that God can make a change in your life. Man, there's some hurt and lonely people in this world, aren't there? There's some people that do not have the ability to stand up for themselves. There's some people who are broken. There's some people whose lives are wrecked by sin. You ever just look in the eyes of people around you? There's some lonely people out there, man. And when you try to tell them, hey, there's hope, I'm telling you, it's hard for them to believe. Because, and, and I look at God's people. I look at those that are saved by God's grace. And I look at them and I say, no, you can stand. You can, be, you can be a godly man. You can be a, a, a godly man that leads your family in the ways of God. You can be a teenager that makes a difference, that goes against the status quo. You can be a woman that's making a difference, that's different, that stands out. But what they say and, and what they're thinking sometimes is, but you don't know. I've never been able to stand. I've always been weak in this area. I've always, I've always had a problem with lust. I've always had a problem with my temper. I've always been a worrier preacher. There's nothing ever going to change that. I've just been that way my whole life. I've always been financially irresponsible preacher. Just been that way my whole life. Nothing's ever going to change. I, I, I'm not going to be the man. I can't be the person. Not me. See, but here's the question I have for you. Whose authority are you listening to? Because it's Satan, it's sin, it's the cynics that say you'll never be able to do it. You'll, ne you'll never, you ever do that? You ever sit? I wonder if there's people that sit in this church and think to themselves, and maybe they look around at some of the, some of the folks that have been just living for God. They're standing, they're walking, they're making a difference, and you look around and be like, man, I'm never going to be like one of them people. I'm just not like that. Well, let me tell you something today. It ain't about what we're like. It's about what Jesus has done. Amen? And what we've got to decide to do is decide whose authority are we listening to. We don't have to be losers. We do not have to accept living our lives as failures. We do not have to, we do not have to accept living a life that does not add up to what God wants us to be. You don't have to accept that. Whose authority are you listening to? Jesus, He says, you're more than a conqueror if you're saved. That's what His authority says. So therefore, what you've got to do by the grace of God, listen, you can stand. You can stand for God. You can be what God's called you to be, what God's placed you on this earth to be. You can stand in your school. You can stand in your home. I don't care how long you haven't been doing it. And I don't care how long you've been lame. I'm trying to tell you, in the name of Jesus, if He said you can do it, guess what? His Word gives the power. His Word gives the power. And you know, I've shared it so many times, but it's just like when Jesus Christ walked the earth and He says to the man that had the shriveled hand, He said, stretch forth your hand. He, his authority, His power gave the, 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 the Word. That man's will just had to be saying, okay, Lord, 
And he was able to do it. Rise up and walk. Open up your eyes and see. Whatever it was, rise from the dead, Lazarus. Listen, we, we, God gives us all of these pictures so that you can know, yeah, you, not just that God can do that in my life, but that God can do that in your life. Amen? So, but you've got to ask yourself, by whose authority are you living this life? By whose authority? You know, I've shared with you before, <laughs> I've shared with you before, and I give God the glory. Um, I thank God for what He's done in my life. I really do. And I give God all the glory for what He's done in my life because I, I, I tell it all the time. What you see before you today is just a sinner saved by grace. What you see before you today is just somebody that God's done a miracle in their life. You're just looking at somebody that by the, by the grace of God, God sent somebody my way one day that shared the truth of Jesus' authority with me and by the grace of God, I believed it. Amen? And they took me by the hand and brought me up. And I'll say more about that just in a moment in closing, or in the closing part. But I'm just saying this. That's all I am today. You know, I, I, just, just the other uh, week, matter of fact, it was, it was uh, uh, when Atreyu was teaching Sunday school, and I was, I was reminding him again about how he was being transparent about the, about the hurt and the brokenness and the pain and the suffering he'd been through in his life. But he was being transparent about that and talking about, but this is what God's doing in my life today. And it reminded me of that beautiful, beautiful old Japanese art form. I love it. Have you ever broken a valuable vase or plate or something like that? Uh, maybe you've broken your wife's or your mother's and you're trying to... But when we, when we try to, if we ever try to mend something like that, we try our best to put it back together and try to make sure there's what? No signs of breakage. If we can, we try to put stuff together where you can't tell it was ever broken. See, but that, the, the Japanese, they, they had a better idea than that. And I'm telling you, it's, it's similar to the, the idea that God has. Here's what they would do. They would take a bro broken pottery, broken plate, I wish you'd look it up, and they would put it back together with gold. And so all the cracks and the broken pieces, it's put back together and every one of those cracks is filled in with gold. Now it's a piece that's put back together, a plate, a pottery. But it's not trying to hide the cracks and say, oh, I've never been broken. I've always been just like this. No, it's saying, no, look. And you want to know something? It's a whole lot more beautiful than a, 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 a pot or a, or a plate that's kind of fronting and acting like it ain't never been broke, when it's been broke, you know what that's, what that's what God does? And that's what I'm trying to tell you today. God's able to take broken people and put them together. And we're not trying to hide and say, oh, well, look at me, never no breakage. No, I'm a broken person. I'm a messed up person. I'm the person, again, I've shared with you before, I, I, I rejoice in it every time I think about those that knew me best before I was saved, saying that of all the guys I ran around with, that, you would, that I would be the one that probably ended up dead in a ditch somewhere or ended up with, in prison or wouldn't make it or whatever the case was when every one of the guys I ran around with ended up in at least uh, jail, uh, if not prison. I rejoice in that. You know why they say that? Because they knew me. They knew how much of a mess I was, all right? Then I got saved. God calls me to preach. Sarah Sue, I go off to Bible college. And uh, I didn't learn this till years later, but uh, my pastor came to preach for me years later. And as he's getting up preaching, by, by the way, by God's grace, 26 years now since I've been preaching. Can you believe that? 26 years. 
But, uh, but, my, but my pastor stood up in the pulpit, and it was just so funny. He got up there, and he's not an emotional man, but he got a little emotional, and he says, I just got to say, man, you know, out of all the preachers that came through that Bible college, Jesse was the one I knew would never amount to anything. <laughs> Jesse's the one I, and I'm thinking, well, thanks, preacher, uh, you know. But I do thank him, because you know what that is? It's, it's getting to see gold in my broken pieces, amen? Because that's what it is. It's all about him. But what we have, whose authority are you living under? I'm just trying to tell you, I don't know your background. But I'm telling you, if you're not saved today, God will forgive you and he'll save you. And if you are saved today, I don't know your background. But I'm telling you, it's, 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 it is time. It is time. Today is the day that you quit living under that authority. Quit it. Oh, my dad said I'd never amount to anything. So what? My dad said you would. Amen. The Heavenly Father said you would. Believe Him. Oh, I can't. I'm, I'm telling you what, I get so tired of I can't talk with Christians. I get so tired of defeatist talk with Christians. Yeah, we struggle. Yeah, we're sinners. Yeah, we fail. But God's good, man. By the way, that leads me up to my next point. I love this about this man. This man, in God's power, what does the Bible say there? It says in verse number 7 and in verse number 8 that he leaping stood up. Can't you just imagine that? I mean, here he is, 40 years sitting at this gate. But he, somebody takes him by the hand, and all of a sudden, he leaps up on both feet. And he thought, man, that felt pretty good. So what did he do? The Bible says he started walking. And then he leapt again. Woo! Then he praised God. Hallelujah! He, he started walking and leaping and praising God. And apparently... Peter and John didn't say, oh, <laughs> dude, you're kind of embarrassed us right now. Don't you know you ought to behave a little bit more reverently? We're in the temple. People are looking at us. You know, I think it's funny something about praise. It's something we struggle with, and I give people the benefit of the doubt. But I think it's so funny that some people claim that the reason they don't praise God is because they're too humble to praise God. Just too humble. Because I would hate to praise God and somebody look at me. And preacher gets up there carrying on and shouting. He's just like, oh, look at me, look at me. I give you some benefit of the doubt because there's some truth in that. This man's walking and leaping. And woo! You want to know what people were doing? They were looking at him. And you know, want to know what else? That was okay. You want to know why? Because God got the glory. Oh, I'm too humble to praise God. I don't want attention brought to me. No, we're too proud to praise God. Because we praise God and what happens? God gets the glory. Oh, preacher, you're up there praising God. You must think you're something. No, 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 no. Let me, let me give you a chance to let me tell you why I'm praising God. See, I'm just an old sinner who's on my way to hell. I don't deserve salvation, but see, there was a time I couldn't walk. There was a time that I was a mess. There was a time I was in shackles. There was a time I was a slave to sin. And let me tell you, that is who I am. But one day, God came and broke the shackles. 
And he broke the chains. And he put me on my feet. And so I just want to be up on my feet a little bit. I just want to praise God a little bit. Amen. So yeah, look at me so I can say look at him. Amen. And I'm not trying to say look at me, but you understand what I'm saying. He, he was walking and leaping and praising God. I love that they did not discourage his behavior. Amen. Amen. I, I've told you, we just came across this, and for those of us that have been reading the Bible uh, chronologically, and by the way, listen, if, if you've fallen off of that, don't get discouraged. Just start back up again. Amen. And if nothing else, just pick, just start where we're at right now. Go to whatever day it is and just start right now and catch and get right back up with us. But we just came through the book of Habakkuk. Shared this with you before, but I love to share it because God, can I just say this? God used this to, to help change my life. One reason I'm so excited is because number one, I'm saved. I can't believe Jesus saved me. Number two, what he's done in my life since he saved me. It blows my mind. It, I mean, it totally trips me out, man. I marvel. I marvel at what God's done with somebody like me. So therefore, I like to praise God. But I, but I learned in the Word of God to praise God. I didn't, you know what? I didn't start off wanting to praise God. You know why? Because I wasn't worthy to praise God. I've been awesome this week, and I've just struggled, and I've failed again, and I've been, I'm just so bad. You know, I don't want to praise God. And that, that was me. I just, I can't, I mean... If I was doing good, though, maybe I'd get a little bit more excited. Or it'd be, oh, and this ain't a message on praise, but I guess for right now it is, so just bear with me. Or else it would be things aren't going good. Oh, preacher, I'll tell you, I just things going bad, and I just, rough week at work, and all this stuff, you know, you know, yeah. Under the circumstances. You know what? Did you know that by the grace of God, you don't have to live under the circumstances anymore? You can learn to live above the circumstances. But what, we, but what God taught me, and I'm telling you, there's a reason why I bug y'all about this, and I know I annoy some of you probably with it. I hope I don't, but I probably do. Because it changed my life. When I saw that God didn't say, you know what, throughout the Word of God, how many times does He say to praise the Lord anyway? How many times does He say rejoice in the Lord always, and if circumstances are good, rejoice? Rejoice always! And if you've been really good this week, rejoice. Praise ye the Lord, all ye that are perfect. You know, I know it talks about being upright in heart, but here's the point. I, he, what is the qualification? Number one, did you know the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength? You need to get some strength in those ankle bones, in those feet. I mean, you need to lift up those hands that hang down. I mean, you need to lift up your head. You need to do that. You know what the Bible says? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, if God would just give me some strength, I would praise Him. You got it backwards. See, here's what Jesus said. I believe it's Luke chapter 10, verse 20. But he says this. Uh, Rejoice not because the spirits are subject unto you. The disciples. They were, they had just, man, they, they had just been casting out devils, Kurt. Doing miracles, doing great things. They came back, whoa, did you see that? That was great. But Jesus looked at them and said, oh no, rejoice not because the spirits are subject unto you. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now let me ask you this question. When things are going bad, is your name written in heaven? When you're going bad, is your name still written in heaven? See, I don't rejoice because I'm good. I rejoice because God's good. I don't rejoice because circumstances are good. I rejoice because He's good. Amen? And let me, can I just let you in on a secret? If you're saved by the grace of God, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, Jesus says, which just simply means this. You are in heaven, man. 
You have eternal life. Your sins are forgiven. Come what may in this life, you're still, you're still a child of God. You're saved by the grace of God. So you, therefore, are always on shouting ground. Help us like this man to walk and leap and praise God. Let me try to give you this one quickly. Our part. Our part. I just want to walk with you through this as quickly as I can. The Bible says in verse number 7, or let's go back a little bit. Notice all the way back in verse number 4. Now what do you normally do when you see a beggar? We don't normally do what Peter did. It says this, And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him, said, Look on us. You don't usually look at a beggar, do you? You usually do like this. We don't look at them. Because we don't want to acknowledge them. But Peter looked at this guy. He fastened his eyes on him. But not only that, but you know what I want to say just quickly there? We need to look on some people. We, we need to look on some people around us that need Jesus. We need to look on some brothers and sisters around us that are defeated and discouraged. We need to look on them. In other words, the Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 51, Mine eye affecteth my heart. What are you looking at? It affects your heart. But not only that, he said this. He looked on him, and then he said, look on us. So you see, I believe you could say this in a way. Look what God's done in our life. You want to know something about Peter and John? They were both transformed men. Both transformed men. Look on us. Look at what God's done with us. Look on us, he says. You know, uh, in the 13th century, a man by the name of Thomas Aquinas he once visited Pope Innocent II, which is a really ironic name for that dude. But he found him counting a large sum of money. And as Thomas Aquinas walked in, he says, Ah, Thomas, the church can no longer say silver and gold, have I none. But then said uh, Aquinas said, That is true, Your Holiness, but then neither can it now say, Arise and walk. See, God, did you know God wants to use you to make a difference in somebody else's life? That's what I'm trying to get too close with this, our part. Here's a man. So, so if, if you go through, again, we're going through it fairly slow, but get real time again. He's down there. He's begging. So, Gunner, beg. Put your hand out to beg. Well, put out the other hand. Are you right-handed or left-handed? I imagine he's got his right hand out. But you know what the Bible says? He took him by the hand. I don't know, but it could be that he still had his hand out because this is all going fairly quickly. Silver and gold, because he, he, he says, hey, can I get an alms? Can you give me something? Can I tell you this, man? There's so much I want to preach today. Bowen asked me if I needed another battery just to be on the safe side, and maybe I do. No, I don't worry. So much I want to preach today. You know what, by the grace of God, we need to start giving, as a church, as God's people, we need to give this world not what they want, but what they need. Amen? They, we, we need to give them what they, want, what they need, not what they want. And that's what he did. He's holding his hand out, and the Bible says Peter takes him by the hand. How cool is that? He takes him by the hand. And uh, you, know, you, know what, you know what I'm trying to do today? I'm trying to take somebody by the hand. I'm trying to grab somebody's hand and I'm trying to say, arise and walk. Let, in the name of Jesus, let Him do a miracle in your life. Week after week, I'm telling you, that's what I'm trying to do. And listen, as, as God's people, that's what we ought to be trying to do for one another. 
See, because not only have people, did somebody lift me up before I was saved, but I'm glad that God used a lot of people in my life since I've been saved. See, he, does, he, he wants you and I to be difference makers. He wants you to be difference makers. He wants for you, listen, I've, I've said it already, but there's some of y'all that have been transformed, but you're still acting lame. But you're not lame. You've been transformed. You're a conqueror. You can stand for Jesus. You can walk with God. And you can grab a hold of somebody else. And encourage them and lift them up. At school, you can lift somebody else up. You can be a Peter and a John. You don't have to be a lame-o at school. You don't have to be a lame-o at work in your home. You can walk with God. You can stand for God. And you can, hallelujah, look for somebody to grab their hand and bring them to you. Amen. Now notice this, and I'll close. The man's purpose... This is kind of cool. Look at uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse number 11. The Bible says, And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John. <laughs> as he held them. If you went on down, and I'm not going to do this, but if you, uh, I guess we could go all the way down to chapter 4, verse 14. The Bible says, And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. The man's purpose. This is cool. It started off with Peter and John, but by the time they left, it was Peter, John, and the lame man. But the, you know what the Bible says? The lame man held on to him. I want to say today, by the grace of God, I give God the glory for being able to stand here before you, but I'm glad that there was some men in Harvest Baptist Church in Bessemer City, North Carolina, that grabbed my hand. I know I'm not grabbing your hand. There's your hand. I'm glad there's some men that grabbed me and, and pulled me up. And I'm glad along the way I've had some men that have grabbed and helped pull me up. There's been some times as a child of God I've been acting lame. And I've felt lame. But I'm glad God put somebody in my life to come grab my hand and pull me up. But this is so cool. Well, because Gunner, come help me again. Come get, get up on with me. So here it is. He comes up like this. He grabs him and pulls him up. And then, so it started off with Peter getting a hold of the lame man. You're not lame, are you? All right. Uh, I'm going to ask your brother and see what he says. Uh, the lame man, but by the time it's done, the Bible says he's holding them. So it started off with him. I, I do that because if I was lifting you up, I'd do that. It's a better grip, I think. Anyway, but now here he is. Kind of hug me. Do you love me? He's holding on to Peter and John. He held them. Ain't that good? So now, and, and, and you can sit down, but So you know what I did? Joe Fleming, not too many people in the world ever know Joe Fleming, but I believe he's known in heaven. Joe Fleming was a man in Harvest Baptist Church that grabbed my hand and pulled me up. You know where you found me not too long after that? Holding on to Joe Fleming. Hey, Joe, can I come over this afternoon and have a Bible study? Hey, Joe, what are you doing Saturday? Can we have a Bible study? Hey, Joe, you know what I did? I was holding on. I was holding on to Bill Skeen. Another man, I'm not talking about preachers. I'm talking about a sheetrocker. I'm talking about a retired uh, preacher. I'm, I'm, ta I'm talking about a re re retired lineman, Ed Ledford. They grabbed a hold of me, and guess what I did? I grabbed a hold of them, Amen. And I want to encourage you, men. I want to encourage you, women. Find somebody to grab onto. Girls, find somebody in here. They're willing to lift you up. Find somebody to hold on to. 
I wouldn't be here today if somebody hadn't grabbed a hold of my hand and if I wouldn't have held on to them. And you know what? There in chapter 4, verse number 11, what you'll find out is something really cool. Trouble's brewing now. They're in trouble. They're, the religious people are mad. The authorities are mad because of what's going on in the temple. By the way, 5,000 men got saved as a result of this. 5,000 men. And literally, it means men. It means there were probably women and children saved too, but he just counted the men, 5,000, as a result of this. There's no telling what God can do in your life and through you. But here's the point. Things are hard now. They're standing being accused. But if you look there, the lame man's still standing right with them. Because you know what? If there's somebody, when, when God helps you to stand, He'll help you to stand through the tough times. Help you to stand when it's not easy. I mean, listen, it's, all, it's exciting, man. man we, we've, don't we just share in so many exciting times and moments at Elk Point Baptist Church? We really do. I mean, it's, we, we marvel a lot around here. But what about the tough times? By the way, you want to you know the reason why we've been able to celebrate some of these great times? Because there are some people that stood in the lean times, amen? Uh, and, I mean, listen, being faithful. People that somebody got a hold of them, now they're saying, well, I'm holding on, Amen? And here we are, now we're trying to grab people, bring them up, and when you get, find somebody to hold on to. Find somebody godly. And by the way, man, as a child of God in this church, be some, and I'm glad for people like this, I'm thank, thank God for people that are willing to be held on to, amen? They're willing to grab and try to bring somebody up, and they're willing to make the sacrifice. Do you have the time? You don't have the time to help everybody, but you've got the time to help somebody. If you make it, let's all stand. I don't know your need today, and Miss Barb, if you'd come. I want to tell you something. In the name of Jesus, you can be saved today. In the name of Jesus, your sins can be forgiven. In the name of Jesus, your life can be transformed forever. Have you had your sins forgiven? If you haven't, Jesus wants to forgive them today. He really does. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've been baptized, and I'm a, I'm, I'm a fill-in-the-blank, Lutheran, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, whatever. Well, that's fine. But what I'm interested in is do you know Jesus? Have you accepted that gift of salvation? And if you haven't, I want to invite you today to receive it. It's so simple. The Bible says it's a gift. 